is certainly good. Been good to us, hasn't he? Amen. How many of you believe he's been good to you? He sure has. Would you open your uh, precious Bible tonight to the book of Nehemiah? We're going to look in Nehemiah chapter 1 and uh, just look at a few verses here. Nehemiah chapter 1 in the Old Testament. I want to give some thoughts on prayer tonight that I hope will be helpful. I've been reading this book of uh, Brother Sexton's. I advise all of you to make sure you read it. It's intercessory prayer, but I'm going to promise you, you're not going to get through the first chapter without getting convicted. And uh, I want us to look at chapter one of Nehemiah. Of course, this is a a building and battling book. They're building and they have to battle. And uh, there's no doubt that this is a book about building a work for God. And this is what the book's about. Nehemiah was a builder. Not just of a wall, although we know physically that's what he built. Uh, we understand it was bigger than that. And for certain, the application of this for us, we're in the work of God and we ought to be building. In Nehemiah chapter 1... The Bible says in verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislon in the 20th year as I was in Shushan the palace that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates there are burned, thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, once you notice, God has been so gracious to us to include the prayer. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant, mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant 
and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us and speak to our hearts. Use your word in Jesus' name. Amen. What a prayer. Can I ask any of y'all, have any of y'all prayed like that lately? Think of that. What a prayer. Now, here's what's amazing to me. A Jewish man is the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king, the most powerful man of the then known world. Now, the Babylonian king, it's an impossible thought to ponder. A Jewish man, the king's cupbearer. I mean, up there. I mean, he's there. He, his life is in his hands. And uh, it was an impossible situation when you think about it. But look, we serve the God of impossibilities. The Jews are being held in captivity and their release seems to be impossible. Uh, he's now been told of his dear beloved city of Jerusalem. The walls have been torn down and the people are having a hard time. And by the way, in Bible days, if the walls was broken down, they had no protection. Really wasn't even a city. And so it seemed like an impossible situation, it, looking like to rebuild all of that. What could, what could Nehemiah do? He's a cupbearer for the king. He has to get permission to be able to leave. I mean, to work all these things out, the big picture. But you know what? This is where God does his work best when things look impossible. In impossible circumstances, and I wish we weren't so slow to trust him. And by the way, I'm the first to say, I shouldn't be shocked, but many times I am. But we ought to realize God is the God of impossibilities. Now, look at verse 4. I want you to notice verse 4. We see that it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, this is one of the major themes that emerges from the book of Nehemiah. You wouldn't think so, but it's prayer. By the way, it begins with prayer. That's how this book starts. It starts with prayer. And then I want you to notice there are 12 prayers recorded in this book, the book of Nehemiah. And I want you to know something. If you read it, you're going to find out one thing about Nehemiah. Nehemiah realized there's a lot of things you can do after you pray. But he also realized this, there's nothing you can do until you pray. That's a good quote. Y'all might want to get that on the fleshly tablets of your heart. There's a lot of things we can do after we pray, but there's nothing we can do until we pray. Is that how we live? And we see it here. We see it here in the life of Nehemiah. I mean, he's just giving this information that his city, the Jerusalem's tore down and the people are having a hard time. Broke his heart. It moved him. And the Bible said it moved him in such a way that he wept and mourned days for days. When's the last time we've wept, mourned, fasted, and prayed for days because we've got a burden on us? Think about it. George MacDonald, and I quote, I'm what, In whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. Any seemingly successful person who does it independently of God is above almost miserable. Here's the thought. Man is incomplete until he realizes that only God completes him. 
I need thee every hour. I believe we see that in the life of Nehemiah. Look, we are dependent upon God. We, we, when we are dependent upon the Lord, we walk through life with joy. When we're not depending upon the Lord and we're trying to uh, gather uh, around all of these things that the world give us, it's just simply uh, not going to do it like absolutely depending upon the Lord. Now, you mark it down. This book is about a great work for God. Nehemiah is a builder. It's about the great work of God. And we know behind every good work of God, there is someone that is on their knees or in their prayer closet. And Nehemiah began this great work with prayer. Now, all of heaven's power becomes focused on, in, on the work of God when the people of God are willing to weep and pray. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was studying for this passage, I'm convicted. I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of talking. And yes, I do a lot of worrying. I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of examining. I really do. I try to, I try to, I try to get wisdom. I try to think things through. I, I want to be wise. I'm going to tell you something. I like the most important prayer. Now, here's the situation. Nehemiah hears about this impossible situation. He's down, but he's not out. He's depressed. I would say he's depressed, but he's not defeated. By the way, there's a difference. And he has a faith outlook. He's got a faith outlook. And I'm also thankful for this. Many times God's people, we believe that sometimes we are absolutely helpless in the face of problems, but we're not. This looks like a problem, but we do not have to sit idly by and just accept whatever life deals with us. Here's what I want to encourage you. A Christian shouldn't have the negative uh, mindset that, that there's difficulty surrounding every part of life. We need to understand that a Christian sees an opportunity in every difficulty, but every miracle God ever performed started out with what? A problem. You wouldn't call it a miracle unless there was a problem. Something looked impossible, and there's where God works. And so I pray that God will help us to have a faith outlook. A faith outlook. And problems are opportunities for God to what? Show himself strong. So here's the message. Pray for the impossible. Is that wrong to do? Nehemiah did it. He prayed. Now, we know that right in the middle of all this, he goes to the king and asks if he can go and do the work. Guess what? King lets him do it. He takes a survey trip. And he looks it all over. And listen, here, why do you think I believe? You know what I believe all that happened? Because of prayer. Can I say God's people has a powerful tool at our disposal? Do you understand that? We have a powerful tool at our disposal. At our disposal. Hey, it's most powerful counter-reaction. And I'm convicted because it's not always the way I counter-react. How about you? How many of you ever said, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to let them know what I think. That's not prayer. <clears throat> oh, we love to counter-react things like that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll show them. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. The, the tool that is at our disposal and his reaction to this 
brokenness, this impossibility. He didn't sit around and whine about it. He didn't sit around and talk about the impossibility. He prayed to a God of heaven. And I want you to know something. It's the mighty weapon of prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have a powerful weapon in prayer. Are we utilizing it? Are we utilizing it? By the way, I get it. I have conversations with people all the time. And I know what happens, and I, I'm, I do it. We sit and we talk about something, and we want to talk about all the things that we're concerned about. And by the way, we're human. We're going to be concerned about things. But I made a statement today talking to someone. I said, you know what? But at the bottom, we can't live in fear. You can't live in fear. You can't live, well, what if so-and-so happens? You can't live that way. So there has to be a faith outlook. Now, I believe we ought to be aware of our surroundings. I think we ought to live like sheep in a in wolf country because we are. We need to be aware. We're going to protect our families, all of that. But I'm just saying there is an outlook here that we have weapons. Instead of sitting around and worrying about it and thinking, oh, this could happen and this could happen, how about we pray about it? And as we pray... It, it kind of takes our eyes off of the fear and the things that could happen. And it's like, just like I said, we just have to trust the Lord. That's what praying is. We're trusting the Lord. So here's the amazing thing about prayer. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. And we can pray. Are we praying? So let me give you, I believe this is one of the greatest prayers in the whole Bible. Found right here in Nehemiah. And it's one of the mightiest prayers in the Bible. Why? Because it worked. It got the job done. He got down there to the city. And we know before the end of this book, the wall was built. God answered his prayer. So let's look at a few things tonight. This was a prayer of contrition. I want you to look at verse number 5. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven. Notice this phrase. This is interesting. The great and terrible God. Now, that word terrible and great does not mean, or the terrible does not mean, oh, he's a terrible God. It's talking about his position. He isn't coming, and here, here's what I'm trying to say about this prayer. He's not coming to God flippantly. He's coming to him with reverence. That's actually what that word uh, terrible means, reverence. He's revering the mighty, powerful, holy God of heaven. So he's coming to him in much reverence. He's not coming flippantly. Prayer is a conversation with God, yes, but it should be in reverence to who he is. For instance, we all understand that. If the President of the United States walked in here tonight, out of reverence for him, I would call him Mr. President. I would go to him and I would be, if he stood, if he came in this room, out of respect, we all should stand and clap. That's the normal thing to do out of respect. And by the way, we're losing that in America. But the truth is, God, if anybody should be revered and reverenced, it should be him. So when we pray, yes, we're having a conversation with him. But we also ought to know that we're coming to the holy God. Nehemiah came to the holy God. Notice the wording. Thy great and terrible. Talking about his position. 
think about it, we should always have reverence for who he is and his position over us. It comes from the same root word that we get the word reverend, this word terrible. So he is reverencing the very God of heaven. So I think this is something that we need to understand. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The terror of the Lord, his reverence, the fear of him, the holiness of him. His promises are true. He's going to carry out what he says. So we ought to have reverence. Now we live, by the way, I look back at myself when I was a young teenager. I wanted to get the no fear sign, and I did. I got the no fear sign on my truck. I wish I'd had that one to do over. But we live in the no fear generation. I'm serious now. America has lost her fear for God, who's gave us this great country, who's gave us the land, who's gave us the freedom. I mean, it amazes me. We live in America. People, (laughs) they have no fear. By the way, the church is getting pretty forgetful too. But we used to fear God and it showed in our behavior. It showed in our lifestyles. I'm not talking about an unhealthy fear like we're fearing a dictator. God's not a dictator. No, I'm talking about rather we used to be afraid of letting him down. You know, there used to be such a thing that, you know, and by the way, I failed. I have failed miserably. But I'm going to be honest with you. There was a lot of things I didn't do as a teenager because I didn't want to let my parents down. You say, well, Pastor, that's the wrong reason. Well, I don't think so. I think it's a good reason. It's not the best reason. The best reason is what I'm talking about here tonight. The reason why I believe he went to the Lord in fear and reverence because he didn't want to want the he didn't want the one that loved him and has done so much for him. He didn't want to let him down. Where's that at in America? Where's that for the Christian? We don't want to let him down. The one that's done so much for us, we don't want to let him down. He. It, We should want to please him. So this fear, not from a dictator. You know, some people have this idea that God, oh, I gotta like it. No, he's not a dictator. He's a loving God. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he's he's full of judgment. But I want you to know something. We ought to love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And we ought to have a fear. We're afraid to let him down. I'm afraid we're living a day. We kind of have this message to people say, well, hey, well, since you won't go to him, as he says, because he did say, come unto me, I think we've tried to make it a little bit more palatable, and we want to make a little bit more tolerable version of our God, and we want to bring him down to where we are. But we ought to be reverent. Notice when he went to him in prayer, it was a prayer of contrition. He, 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 out of reverence. By the way, he's not the man upstairs. That's irreverent. And then we've heard, you know, he's not the new comedy central show where they refer to him as JC. By the way, that's irreverent. I believe it's blasphemous to be 
honest. I don't like to be ridiculed. I don't like to be said. So I will promise, and I'm nobody, and I can promise you God desires to be high and lifted up where he should be. And boy, I tell you what, Nehemiah did. He got his prayer answered. We need to learn from Nehemiah how to move the hand of God. And by the way, he, look at it there. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. What a prayer of contrition. Hey, can I say, when you have real problems and the impossible situations, you don't need a God that you can walk up to and give a high five to. Do you? I mean, that's something you do with your buddies. But if I'm in an impossible situation, by the way, Nehemiah was in an impossible situation. He wasn't going to be irreverent because he knew the only one that could do what needed to be done was a holy God. So he referenced him that way. And by the way, we live in a day where there's so much irreverence. You need a God that is so great, mighty, and powerful that coming into his presence causes you to kneel in humble contrition. By the way, I said if Joe Biden walked through these doors, President Joe Biden walked through these doors, out of respect, we all should stand and clap. But I would say this, and I know it would never happen, but if the Lord Jesus Christ would walk in this building, not a one of us would stand and clap. I believe that we would be in humble contrition in his presence. By the way, everyone that ever was, did, that is in the word of God, they didn't come up and say, hey, they didn't high-five him. They knew where they were. They were on holy ground. So we ought to have a prayer of contrition. We need to not come to him flippantly. And then here's an amazing thing. It's very simple to me. This was a prayer of concern. Notice what he says. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's serious stuff. He was concerned. Now let me say this. Nehemiah didn't pray just because it was time to pray. And he wasn't just praying because he was supposed to. And he wasn't just praying because there was food on the table. Listen to me. He prayed because he had to. He prayed because he had a real prayer of concern. And by the way, we all have had times like this. Have y'all ever? There's been times in my life I can't even utter. The only thing I can say is, oh God, help me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can't even utter. You, you, it's so heavy. It's so deep. And all you're coming in, and that's a prayer of concern. Oh, God, help me. That's basically what we see here. When, and, and let me ask this question. When is the last time we prayed, not because we were called upon or because out of habit, but when you, because you were brokenhearted and you had a real burden? I mean, think about it. When's the last time you were burdened and wept? And me, let me ask that question. When's the last time that I was so burdened that I wept, mourned certain days, fasted and prayed before the Lord? Over a situation, over a person, over a soul, over a circumstance. Oh, like I said earlier, I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of fixing in my mind. I, I try to do a lot of counsel. I try to put my two cents in where it probably doesn't need to be. But I'll tell you right now, I need to be more burdened and go to prayer. I'm talking about a heartfelt concern. Can I ask y'all that? Because I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something. We live in such a calloused society. It's even creeped in the church. 
I'm not saying this church in particular, but I mean, it's kind of, we have this kind of attitude, hey, I got mine, you get yours. But where, are, where is that Christian church? Where is that church where all became common to them? If they had a problem, they, they buried one another burdens. Listen to me. When was the last time that we actually had a heartfelt concern for somebody? That we wept and prayed. And I'm talking about heartfelt, not conjured up. Not because we have to. Not because that's what we're supposed to do. But out of concern. I mean broken hearted. Burdened, moved. I'm afraid we become a dry-eyed church in this society. Listen, Nehemiah could have never rebuilt these walls. The work of God would have never taken place until he wept over the ruins, until he seen the problems, until it became something in his heart that he was burdened over. That's why I say to people all the time, if you don't have a burden for something, you're not going to do it long. That's why, you know, I know I can twist people's arm, tell people you need to do this and that. But listen, those, it doesn't last. But when God moves in somebody's heart, just like as we do in prayer, but we get heartfelt concern over something. That's when God starts to work. And I believe that's one reason why God answered this prayer. The burden led to the prayer that led to the miracle. Get it now. The burden led to the prayer that led to the miracle. By the way, we've witnessed it. I believe we're witnessing things now. The burden led to the prayer that brought the miracle. There's things that happens in our life. Listen to me. Inconceivable. If you would have asked me through my life, if, and you know, you, you have some sight about some things, you have some ideas about something, but if you was to ever say, Mark, did you ever think, not in my wildest dreams it would have been that bad. But truthfully, it was the burden, it was the problem, the burden that led to the prayer that brought the miracle. It's always God. It's not what we can do. It's not what we've done. It's God. And by the way, when it is Him, He should get all the honor and the glory. It's a prayer of concern. When's the last time? And I Look, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm preaching this to me. Like I said, I do a lot of talking. I do a lot of fixing in my mind. And I try to fix other people. I'm always trying to fix somebody. But I want to be honest with you. I've been convicted. I need to stop doing that so much and let God fix them. And pray out of concern. Because see, here's what's amazing. Sometimes the way I fix and the way I talk, it don't look like I'm concerned. But see, if I will be concerned, God can take care of all of that and put it down there and work in people's hearts and lives a lot better than I can. And here's another thing. Tears are a language that God understands. He's moved by what we are moved by. You say, oh, pastor, give me scripture and verse. I'm thankful. Psalm 126.5. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I'm going to be honest with you. You say, pastor, why do a lot of people get saved in America? I don't see a lot of people crying. 
I don't see a lot of people weeping. I used to hear stories of where families would weep and come to the altar and come to the altar every week and pray for their lost family. Today, say, oh, pray for my brother-in-law. He's lost. That's about all we can get out of stuff today in this society. Listen, there were, listen I'm telling you, I've heard the stories. Have y'all heard stories? Said, I prayed for my brother or my sister or a family member. I remember when we went to Cook's Chapel, Lord, it was that one boy came down the altar every service. And when I was young, I was like, oh, that boy's just going up there to be seen. You know what? I just believe the old boy knew he needed the Lord. Prayer of concern. Can I ask y'all a question? You don't have to answer it loud, but in the tablet of your heart, you between you and the Lord. When's the last time you prayed and cried? You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Well, if there's no weeping, there'll be no reaping. How about we all try it this week and let's see what happens Sunday. By the way, we got them new tickets back in the back. Start handing them out. It's got our Christmas, the children's play, and the Christmas cantata. Start handing them out. We got them in the back. But how about all of us that's in this building? How about we weep and pray about Sunday and pray that God will save somebody? And by the way, there's been people coming to the church here that's been raising the hand that they're not saved. They haven't come forward. That doesn't mean that they're not going to, but I'm going to be honest with you. I believe the Lord's trying to convict them. They need to yield. That's God's work. But how about we, as a family of God and a church of God, how about we do some praying and do some weeping this year and this week, ask God to break our hearts for people that are backslidden, that are out. I ran into a man, love the man. I ran into him. Wednesday night at Dollar General. Was it went Sunday night? Sunday night. I had to go up there and grab a few things for the youngins. And I went in there. And sure enough, he was at the counter. Man, I went up to him and uh, got to see his children. And I said, Man, we love you. We miss you. He knew it. He said, Hey, I watched a little bit of it this morning on in the service. I've seen it online. And I'm going to be honest with you. When's the last time? Have I broke down and wept for him yet? Nope, not yet. But as I was preparing for this message, I said, boy, I do a lot of talking. <laughs> I try to do a lot of fixing. That was my way of going up to him and letting him know. And by the way, we should be friendly to let people know. But on the back end of that, I said, oh, Lord, please, will you work in his heart? Because I'm going to be honest, memories. I, I can think of just a few years ago, he was as active around here as anybody. Heartbreaking. Not talking bad about him. I love him. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We all know that we can sit there and talk to people that we're blue in the face. It's God that works in the hearts of people. And we know that this burden led to the prayer that led to the miracle. So my concern is are we burdened for who God is burdened for? And that's people. You do understand the only thing and the only people, the only thing that lives forever is people. Prayer of concern quickly, a prayer of confession. Look at verse 6. He said, Let thine eye ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Notice the pronouns. Thy and I and then we. Here's what's amazing to me. He's including himself with all of these sinners. <laughs> Isn't that humbling? The best prayers are the ones that God hears. And he has promised that he doesn't hear the prayers of those who are willfully that aren't right with him. 
You say, Pastor, give me scripture and verse. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, Nehemiah knew it was that sin. It was sin of his people that led to the destruction of Jerusalem and the walls. And it would be no good to weep over the ruins if he wasn't willing to repent of his own sin. And he did in this prayer. Is your life in ruins? Look at me. Can I say this? Is there sin to blame in your life? Are you doing things? Look at me. Are you doing things wrong? Are you not living like... Can I give you some good news tonight? Confess it and stop. It's that simple. Confess it and stop. Make it right. Don't just cry over your plight. Make it right. That's what's beautiful about confession. And God's willing and ready and waiting to restore you, forgive you, and to restore you. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to not let God answer your prayer because you're regarding iniquity in your heart. Get it right. Say, God, forgive me. Look what he did. He said, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. He said, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord. He, he put himself there with the sins of God's people. Notice verse 7. He said, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. He's confessing. I've heard people say all my life, well, I'll tell you right, Pastor, I've blown it. And I've lost so much. And, and, and it can never be regained. Listen to me. That's a lie straight from hell. It can be regained. Can I get a witness? My soul. Why do we even be a Christian if we don't think? Well, I'll tell you. And by the way, I had that view when I was younger. I had this view growing up. If somebody messed up, man, they were done. They were messed up. There wasn't no hope for them. We sat around and talked about them. Look, that ain't Christianity. I want you to know something. God says make it right. Hey, God's not through with you. You're still breathing. Get it right. We serve a great God. He's not finished with you. I don't care what you've done. See, there's a difference between weeping because you don't like your consequences and weeping because you let the God of heaven down. See, Nehemiah, he did weep over the circumstance. He was weeping because those walls were torn down. He was weeping because, but here's why he was really weeping. He primarily wept over the sin which led to the ruin. I want you to reread it there in verse 6 and 7. Look how many times he said, I and thy and us and we. What is Nehemiah doing saying such work? He wasn't even alive for those sins. Some of them. He was born and raised a thousand miles away from it all. What was he doing? See, this is the identifying principle. He is identifying with the sins of the people of God. Nehemiah recognized the true fact that when a nation turns against God, there's a sense in which we all bear some responsibility. <laughs> Look, we're all Americans and we're in this thing together, but not just nationally. Let's talk personally and I'm going to close. If, even if it's not us personally sinning, it's, it is our apathy 
and indifference which has allowed it to be right under our noses. So yes, we need a national confession, but how about a personal confession? Can I just say, if you regard iniquity in your heart, you're not going to hear your prayer. Brother Larry Sexton said it right at a prayer breakfast one time. A lot of times, it's hard for us to claim the promises of God because we can't forgive ourselves. But I can promise you this tonight. You don't have to regard iniquity in your heart. Confess it. You say, now pastor, what does it mean to confess? Well, confess means you're confessing your sin and you're looking at it like God looks at it. You, you understand that that sin is what put the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He paid for that sin, so there's a humility in it. But aren't you glad I heard someone say, ah, I tell you what, that Christianity it just gives you a license to sin and then just ask God to forgive you. That's not true. But I will say this, I'm glad we have a God that is willing to forgive. <laughs> Could you imagine? Hey, look, I've been around people that won't forgive. Boy, I'm glad God ain't like that. But I want to say to you tonight, we need to pray for the impossibility. Amen. It needs to be. We come to him humbly, reverently, knowing who he is. And our fear, of, not of a dictator, but a fear out of not wanting to let him down. Reverence. Then concern. Heartbroken. Tears. Talking tears. Moved with compassion. Praying. like It's different than just going through the motions. He prayed because he wanted to and had to, not because he... He wanted to, and he had a heartfelt concern. He was broken. He didn't pray because he was called upon or he was praying for food or he had to. It was heartfelt concern. We need to get to praying like that. We need to ask God to break our hearts. And then there at the end, it's a prayer of confession. If you live in a life full of iniquity, confess it. Get rid of it. Make it right so you can start praying for the impossibility. Because I won't promise you he won't hear your prayer. He's not going to hear my prayer. But we don't have to live like that. We can confess our sin and make it right. Amen? How many of you have seen some impossibilities in your life and God's done it? I've seen him save people that I thought was impossible. Amen? I've seen him do impossible things. So let's pray to the God of the impossibilities. Amen? Let's pray for the impossible. How many of y'all think y'all got something in your life and it's too big for you? Well, let's get to praying. Amen? Let's stand to our feet tonight and let's pray. You pray as the Lord leads you to pray. But let's remember going to him reverently with heartfelt concern, confessing yes. Let's learn from Nehemiah's prayer, one of the most mightiest prayers in the Bible. We can learn so much from it. Amen. How many of you believe prayer is a weapon? Let's start using it. How many of y'all like me? You can talk a lot. And we do a good job at it trying to fix everybody. But we need to pray. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us. We know that you are almighty. You're holy God. You are the God of impossibilities. You can do abundantly above all that we ask or think. God, we are speaking to the very God that spoke everything we know into existence. Lord, we come to you tonight. 
thanking you for what you've done for us already and how you've saved us and provided salvation for us. And Lord, I know you know our frames. You know our fears. You know our concerns. You know our inadequacies. You know all about us, Lord. So we come to you tonight asking you to help us. Move in our hearts. Help us. Teach us to pray. And Lord, I pray you'll help us not just to pray because we have to or we've been called upon, but Lord, I pray you'll give us a heartfelt concern like you would. Lord, if there's someone here tonight, they're living a life apart from you and they know there's things in their life that's not right, Lord, I pray you'd give them the courage just to confess it because, Lord, we know you'll forgive them. They can make it right. And Lord, there's too many things that we need to be praying about and get answers to. And Lord, we need you to hear our prayers. So I pray you'll help us now. Again, we leave all this in your hands tonight. We love you. We thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for answering prayer. Give all of us safety tonight as we travel. We'll give you all the honor and the glory for it. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great night. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Let's be praying.